Hello. Oh, hey, you're here. So today we need to talk about insecurities, like all the different kinds. I mean, I want to go there. I want to talk about like in all the areas of life. I want to talk about financial. We need to talk about body, at least touch on it. Gosh, I feel like that's a whole episode. Body image. What about like business, online brand stuff, how you show up in the world, man, relationships. I feel like insecurities are the blanket thing, I think it's thing, that hold us back from pretty much becoming the best version of ourselves. Let's be real here. Because when we feel insecure, in one way or another, in one area of life or another, or maybe multiple, all at the same time, we don't show up in the way that is going to behoove us the most. And I want to really express my opinion on this, like from a personal perspective, and then the perspective that I hear from so many different people in my world. And here's one here's where I want to start with this first. I like I want to go way back. I want to go way back to the first time that I ever felt insecure. And I'm trying to think about it now. I didn't want to think about it ahead of time. I, I just I wanted to think about it with you. So I'm trying to think like and you guys can tap back with me too. When is the first time I felt insecure about anything? Gosh, what is that first memory? I really have one that's coming to mind right now that won't go away. So I know this is probably what I need to talk about. I feel like the first time I truly ever really felt insecure was in fifth grade in an area of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And it was, I don't know, like the school year just started. So maybe September-ish, I remember. It was before we moved to Florida. And we had a spelling test. And on this spelling test, I missed, it was like either one or two words. It wasn't a lot. But As soon as I got the grade back, I started crying. And I can remember my, how old was I, 10? My 10-year-old body sitting in this seat. I remember what the classroom looked like. I'm 36. But I remember what this classroom looked like. And the, the teacher just looked at me as I was crying and I got this test back and it was just one of those, you know, one of those cries where you like start crying hysterically and you cannot control yourself. Then you know, it's so silly, almost like one of those cries when you're PMSing. It was like one of those cries, but I didn't have my period then, but it felt like a PMS cry where I was just crying and I couldn't control myself and it just kept coming. And the teacher was just looking at me like I was nuts. And it was like one of those like shame cries. Even though I didn't know what that was back then, I was literally shaming myself inside of my head for missing those one or two spelling words. And 
gosh, that is just what comes to mind. If I really think about the first time I ever felt insecure with myself. And, and, and let me just fast forward a little bit longer and think of some other times. Okay, so here we are, like 10 years old. That's an insecurity about not being good enough. Is that, That's what that's an insecurity about. Let's think about this, right? That's an insecurity about not being good enough because good enough would automatically mean in that situation as perfect, as in Mallory should have gotten 100% on that test because she was capable of getting 100% on that test. So I didn't live up to my capability. And wow, does that theme overshadow my entire life, even until today, honestly, I still deal with this. So living up to my greatest ability is probably my number one life goal. And that standard is really high because I trust myself so much. I know that the best version of me is so, so, so great. So it's actually a lot of pressure to carry on my own shoulders, pressure that I put on myself to become this greatest version of myself because I know I'm capable of so much. It's a very interesting conundrum to be in, to be a being that knows she is capable of so much. I almost think it would be better, like like ignorance is bliss, right? Like, wouldn't it be better to just not even know that you're capable of so much? I almost think it would be. It's interesting, but I guess I'll never know. Yeah. I think I'd have a lot less anxiety and maybe just enjoy the everyday moments a little bit more because it wouldn't be in my head, but, you know, that's not me and that's not my life. But I I can see how that has really affected me throughout my entire life. Now, if I fast forward and I try to think about the next time, let me think. I'm going to close my eyes. You can close your eyes with me too if you want. Think about my next time. (sighs) Okay, after fifth grade. Ooh, fifth grade when we moved to Florida. (laughs) Man, fifth grade was a rough year for me. Okay. So we moved to Florida. I was the new girl in fifth grade. Sixth grade was middle school, so I had one year left at this school. And actually, I think this was towards the end of the year. I I think, I want to say we moved maybe in like October or something. Um, But I think this was at the end of the year. We had some kind of project where a group of us, our desks were like together in pods, maybe like five desks or something like that, um, all kind of facing each other. And our little group had to sing a song. What song was it? I almost want to say it was a Sheryl Crow song, but what were there Sheryl Crow songs in 1996? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the years, but something like a Sheryl Crow song. And 
the teacher wanted us to sing as a group this song. And I think my group wanted individuals to sing like a solo or something like that. But I was too embarrassed to sing the song because I felt like the kids would make fun of me because I wouldn't sing it perfectly because I don't have a perfect voice. So I was too afraid to sing, so I refused to sing, and then the teacher got mad at me. Yeah. I remember that. That really stands out. I've actually thought about that a couple times over the years. I don't know why, but it feels like a very – I want to say the word pivotal because I don't think anything changed from that moment. How could we describe that? I don't know. It just feels like something that sticks with me. And then if I think later than that, what comes after that? I can't I can't do this all day long. I'll just think of like one more. Ooh, let me give you a body one. I remember being I want to say maybe maybe 16. Yes, I think I had my car back then. So I was 16 in high school, and this one girl, I didn't know she didn't like me. I really didn't know. But she didn't like me. (laughs) And it was after school, I was walking out to my car, and I was just stepping down the little curb to go from like the school sidewalk into the parking lot. And I I was walking to my car, but she came up behind me and she pushed me and she pushed me just as I was stepping down from the curve into the curve, curb, there we go, curb into the parking lot. And I fell. So like I was stepping down that little curb and then she pushed my back. So I had a lot of forward momentum and I fell face forward into the parking lot. I scraped my knee. I can remember I ripped my jeans and I I don't, I just had that immediate feeling of scraping my knee in my hands. And I turned around to see who pushed me because I didn't even know. And guys, like, I don't fight with people. You need to know Mallory Tadimi does not enjoy confrontation whatsoever. <laughs> like, it, it does not do good things to my soul. But this girl, as she pushed me, she yelled, you effing Barbie. And she pushed me. She called me a Barbie. And she pushed me. And I had never had an argument with this girl in my entire life. Actually, I can remember on the school bus before I could drive and had a car, she was the girl that sat in the back that was always like super tough that was sitting with the boy. She always intimidated me. And, but I never bothered with her. I never really talked to her. I never had an issue with her. And I certainly didn't know she had an issue with me. But apparently, her issue with me was that I looked like a Barbie. Now, that can be argued (laughs) that I 
actually look like a Barbie. I did enjoy bleach a lot in high school, and I still do for my hair, but I definitely don't have the Barbie figure, let's just say, um, if that can even be a real thing. I'm pretty sure, I think they reconstructed what a Barbie would look like in a human woman, and it was basically impossible. But whatever, she thought I was Barbie and she didn't like that. So she decided to push me. And then and then I got up to just turn around and see who it was. And I just kind of like tried to walk at her a little bit. And the people that were standing around me held me back. And after that, they took us to the school office and tried to figure out what happened and who was going to get in trouble. And then they asked me if I wanted to press charges against her. And in hindsight, I can tell you I should have, but I was too afraid of what would happen if I did. Like if I would make people not like me more or maybe I would open the door to cause more problems for myself. So I just tried to distance myself from the situation and just said, no, I'm not going to press charges. And that was it. And I think she got in school suspension or something like that. And that was that. I don't remember any issues with her after that. Um, but I can tell you that that little moment right there, you can say, oh, being a Barbie, being called a Barbie is not necessarily a bad thing. And I, I guess it's not because for some reason, we have decided that Barbie is this like perfect little doll and being, which is not okay. But that's what society had decided. Maybe it's a little bit different now, but culturally, that was definitely put into place for a very long time. So it's kind of like, is that a bad thing? But for me, I think it has bred a lot of insecurities because this is one of those things that makes my soul not want to trust other women. Just one of the things. And this is what I work against every single day to open my heart and to allow more women in. But just this one instance where I had assumed trust because there was no reason not to trust, right, with this girl. I had assumed trust with her and Clearly, it was not true. And look what happened. So when I was least expecting it, when my back was turned, when I couldn't see anything and had no reason to believe somebody would come behind me and push me to the ground, it happened. Completely off guard. I was defenseless. Isn't that interesting? And I've held on to this this little inkling of a thing that girls hurt me. I cannot be off guard because when I'm off guard, I get pushed down to the ground. I get hurt. A scene is made. I open myself to the potential of being made fun of, all the things, being embarrassed. <sighs> so from that, even that instance, a whole insecurity has been bred. I feel like there's something wrong with me that makes other women not like me. Ooh, 
That feels really good to talk that out. This is a good talk therapy session right now. So I feel like other women don't like me. When I walk into a room, I can tell you, I always feel like other women don't like me. Any woman in the room, unless I know for a fact that she does, like I know it because we're friends and we have a close relationship. I just assume that women in a room don't like me. And I think this is also carried on into my business where I assume, oh, this is a crazy one. I assume that people on the internet don't like me, including those that are in my audience, which is interesting because if someone's in my audience, wouldn't you think, well, they're choosing to be in my audience, right? Or they're choosing to be in my programs. But oh my God, I can't tell you how many calls, hundreds of calls I've even been on with paid clients, even in group coaching programs I've run, like hundreds, thousands of people where I felt like no one in the room or no one on the call if we're talking digital liked me. Like clients that have paid to be in my programs, I often feel like they don't like me. Where does this insecurity come from? Oh my gosh. So many things have built up to create these insecurities. And what about, so like that's insecurities in my world, but I guess also we could talk about in relationships, insecurities in relationships. You know, I guess I still feel that way sometimes, even though I've been married for, what is it, 12 years now? For a long time. I still feel that way sometimes. Like, what about me holds his interest? You know, what is it? I don't even know. Like, sometimes I think that to myself. And I don't even need to think that at all. But I can think back to all the other times where I have felt like that exact thought oh, it doesn't seem like I'm holding his interest. I'm losing his interest. And we can go back through the catalog of all the ex-boyfriends and see where that has been true. And ooh, there are some very, very good examples of that. You know, it's interesting now being a public figure where even like people from my past, whether it was the girl that pushed me or the ex-boyfriends or kids that made fun of me in fifth grade for not, not wanting to sing, whatever. Like I know they see my work and my, my profiles and what I'm doing. Like I know for a fact because I see data on the back end. And seeing these people (laughs) in my world and seeing me now, oh, it feels really good. It feels really good. But interestingly enough, it doesn't heal the insecurity. 
It doesn't heal it. You know, that's on me to heal that. And I I think it's so interesting. It's like, look at me now. But it's not enough. Like the whole revenge aspect, it's not enough. It doesn't heal those deep insecurities that hold me back on the inside that are quite often masked or invisible or unconscious. And I find when it's time for me to do something new in my life, try something new, put myself in a new situation, reach for the next level, my next evolution, bigger, better, all those things that I strive for to keep myself entertained. Sometimes they come up, but I only know that they're coming up because I've done the deep work to just even know that they're there. And then sometimes I can feel into it. Like, for example, you know how I told you I thought about the the singing in fifth grade, like, quite a few times actually, which is odd. Like why would you keep on thinking about something so silly like that? Like that wasn't even one where like someone specifically targeted me to push me. Like that's not even that bad, right? You're just embarrassed to sing in front of your fifth grade little group because they're like, come on, Mel, you sing. Come on, why don't you sing? Why don't you sing, Mel? You know, but I, I've thought about that so many times, but like that feeling of like, uh, 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 I want to sing, but it won't come out. Like, I wish I could, but I can't kind of feeling. Like, I have felt that feeling even around like starting this podcast, just to give you an example. Or my writing. It's like, well, uh, 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 what, what if I let it come out? What's What's going to happen to me? Is someone going to make fun of me? Is this not going to be good enough? Am I going to be reminded again of how you can be matter, better, Mallory? You know, gosh, a reminder like that to myself, it sets me on a spiral because then it becomes my mission to be better at it. So then I can prevent myself from being hurt in that way again of not being good enough. That's why I've gotten good at so many things in my life. Because it's it's like the fear of disappointment, the fear of disappointing myself because I'm not good enough at something and I'm perfectly capable of being good enough at it, but I have to do the work to get good at it, right? Oh, it's like I can master pretty much any skill unless it's athletics. <laughs> Let's just be clear here. Athletics, no, I, I don't think there is infinite potential for me athletically. (laughs) Like I just don't. It doesn't work that way for me. My body is not built for athletics. And maybe you can argue that with training, I can get better. There we go. I can get better, but I don't think I can get better with athletics. Like, Like I, I guess I can get better to a point, but I don't think I could ever get to this like epitome of physical existence. Like I just, 
I know for me how hard I have to work at that and how unnatural it is for me that that's just a difficult area for myself. And I don't have the the willpower maybe or the desire to create mastery <laughs> in myself because it it's so difficult for me. Like I'm one of those people that runs and they just want to pass out or have an asthma attack. Like I don't even know which one is going to come first. That's how it feels to me when I run. My chest gets like super tight. I get so, so hot. Oh my gosh. I overheat a lot when I exercise. I mean, I can do like an hour, but beyond that, it, it gets really difficult for me. Um, so maybe not in that area, but in other areas, I know my potential is just so infinite, but I have to put in the time to master the skill. I'm not a superhuman over here. So I know I need to put in the time and sometimes I just haven't put in the time yet because I didn't need to or the situation didn't come up or I didn't have the desire. So when not being good enough in an area comes to my attention, I'll often go down this rabbit hole to become good enough so that I can never experience not being good enough again. Oh my God. My insecurities literally cause me to get good at things because I have a fear, a deep, deep fear of disappointing myself. Do you feel that way? It's the fear of disappointment. It's not the fear of failure because all failure does is disappoint me if I really want something, right? If I don't want it, and I fail, then it's like, whatever, not a big deal. But like if I want something, I really want something, and then I fail, oh my God, that hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. And I see insecurities even holding a lot of women back, like little things that we never want to talk about. Kind of like those moments, the couple of moments I share with you from my childhood that have carried through into adulthood, into our health, into relationships, into our spirituality. Oh my gosh, so many places. Into our careers. Into our careers. Being a content creator and having the imperfect woman brand that is so much based around me, the face of the brand and the realness and the rawness that I stand for. I I often feel insecure in the way that I present my vulnerability, I think is a good way to describe it. It's, it's not that difficult for me to be vulnerable. Like even to talk about this right now, it's not 
Like, I'm not in pain talking about this. I'm not having a panic attack. I'm quite comfortable. Quite comfortable. I feel good, personally. But then, when I think about how many people are going to hear or are going to see my content and how it is guaranteed that some will love it and some won't because that's just how this works. Thinking about what happens when those people don't like it. Oh my God, it makes me nervous. Like it, it, it kind of like, it makes my hand a little bit shaky. <laughs> like I see my hands a little bit shaky. It's not the vulnerable. There we go. Gosh. See, like e- even getting my tongue twisted doesn't even bother me. I I am so comfortable in front of you and getting my tongue all tied up. I'm okay with that. What's worse to me is when someone's like, oh, look, hey, Mallory can't even talk. It's like, why do you even have to take the time to point it out? Like, isn't it enough just to like, let it be? Don't you think that I already know I twisted my tongue five times on the podcast and of course I'm not going to like edit it out. I'm going to leave it in and just let it be because we get to just be ourselves and ourselves get to be whatever we, we are. Like, do you not think I, I don't know? I know, I know, but we don't have to talk about it, right? It's like the insecurity of not being able to please everyone, which is a really interesting concept because for me, as a former people pleaser, which is a whole nother episode in itself, I want to make everybody happy. I want people to like me. I want to help people in the best way I possibly can. I want people to adore me. I really want that. The people pleaser in me wants that because it's kind of like that reassurance, that security that feeling that, yes, yes, Mallory, you are good enough. You are good enough. Because if I'm not, well, then what? Then what happens? I can tell you what happens if I get caught in the whole I'm not good enough thing is that I stop wanting to create because I feel like no matter what I create will not be good enough because there's always going to be some people that aren't happy. There are always going to be people that don't listen to the whole thing or people that unsubscribe or people that leave nasty comments or write me like nasty grams, little DMs. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It happens. And usually the ones that hit me the hardest 
are the ones that tie back to a moment like like I mentioned before in my childhood where I clearly have this insecurity associated with this emotional memory. It's the emotional memory. Those are the insecurities that bring me down to my knees. And what helps me move past them is to just remember that although I felt insecure in that moment of time, I don't have to feel insecure now. It's a choice. How I feel is a choice and I am in control of how I feel. I am an adult woman and I am in control of how I feel. So if I want to allow myself to tap back into that emotional memory, I can. Or I can choose to feel a better feeling. So in my example of the girl... I'll tell you her first name, but not her last name. Lauren, if I can, there we go. If I can go back to that example and think to myself, okay, so I, I, I was hurt from behind. I didn't expect it. I didn't see it, but I was hurt from behind. And I can walk into a room or, or something, I don't know, wherever I am. And worry about another woman hurting me from behind. Or I can choose a different feeling. A different emotional memory I can tap into. When a woman caught me. When a woman supported me. I can choose to go into that emotional memory as opposed to that emotional memory that is tied to this whole insecurity thing. I can choose to do that. It's just I have to make sure I catch myself. Like I'm able to catch it and then to switch it. And that's that that part, the healing. Like knowing when it's coming up and knowing that it's no longer true, it doesn't have to mean that. Like that association doesn't have to be there. Like, for example, all women don't like me because they think I'm perfect like Barbie. Oh my God. I just had this like weird mental tie to episode one where I talk about the imperfect taco moment. If you haven't listened, go back. Isn't that interesting? Like, again, this is a pattern. I'm going to have to explore this. I'm going to have to explore this more. But people, not me, people thinking I'm perfect. People thinking I'm perfect. God, there's something to this. Thank you for being here with me while I I realized this little pattern. 
I'm sure there's going to be more that come up. Um, people thinking I am perfect, but me knowing I'm not perfect and me being hurt by people thinking I'm perfect. God, why do people think I'm perfect? Is that why, like, literally this download came to me to start this brand, Imperfect Woman? Is it really me just fighting people that think I'm perfect? Is this, oh my God. Does this happen to you? And the crazy thing is I never knew people thought this about me until these weird little moments happened when I find out that people think I'm this way. And I'm like, oh my God, Uh, what? What? Hmm. This is just groundbreaking in my head right now. What if we walked around with the assumption that people were thinking we're perfect? That's a lot of pressure. See, I didn't think people thought I was perfect until some moments like that happened. And then I was like, oh my God, people think I'm perfect, but I'm not perfect. But it's interesting. I mean, now that I know that they think that, could people think that you're perfect, but you don't even know it? Like maybe these these moments haven't happened to you. Even though you're not perfect and you know you're far from perfect, but do people think you're perfect? This is really interesting. Do people think you're perfect? What if right now you guys think I'm perfect? Anyone listening? That's nuts because I'm not. That's nuts. And obviously, I'm so imperfect that I had to build a brand around it to tell people I'm imperfect. I accept that I'm imperfect, but maybe other people haven't. Hmm. Do other people have these high expectations on other women out there? But really, we're just all insecure little girls on the inside, but the whole world is like expecting so much of us. And maybe that's why we feel like we have so much anxiety and can't function in today's world. Because on the inside, we're insecure little girls, but on the outside, the world expect, expects us to behave perfectly, to be the good girl. I am on to something. I need to digest this tonight. I think there might need to be some journaling or like some some more talking through this. What has 
society expecting us to be the good girl or the perfect girl or the woman that acts as she should. Like, what has this done to us on the inside? What has this made us not do? What has this made us do? How has this changed the direction of our lives? Has this caused us to go to a particular college or to go do a particular degree or to go get a particular job or to never actually start our business because, well, we should just do the other thing because that seems better? Has it caused us to find the wrong partner, like the wrong, like deep internally for us partner? Has it caused us to not have kids? Has it caused us to have kids or more kids or less kids? Oh my God, this is mind boggling. This is mind boggling. I don't know, but I'm just so done being the good girl. I am so done walking on the eggshells and just hiding who I truly am. Insecurities and all. So I don't have an answer today, but if you're a woman or you identify as woman and you feel like your insecurities have ever held you back, you're not alone. I just want you to know that. Okay. You're not alone. You have me. I'll be your best friend if you want me to. I love you and I'll see you next week.